This is The Every Lawyer, presented by the Canadian Bar Association. Welcome to The Every Lawyer, a Canadian Bar Association podcast. I'm your host, Marlies Silver-Sweeney. The show will cover a variety of subjects for a variety of lawyers. In the next few weeks, we'll talk about paperless offices, entrepreneurship, personal branding, and more. But today, we're going to focus on health and wellness for law students. You've probably heard it before. The legal profession can be an unhealthy one, and it starts in law school. A 2016 study by the American Bar Association found that 17% of all law students experienced some depression, 37% had anxiety, and 43% were binge drinking. But it doesn't have to be this way. The good news is there are things you can do right now to start your career in a healthy way. Our guest today is just the person who can tell us how. Stephanie Melanchuk is a successful patent lawyer at Oyen Wiggs Green and Matula in Vancouver. She's also an extreme athlete who's competed in Ironman triathlons. Yep, that's almost two and a half miles of swimming, over 11 miles of biking, and then a marathon in one day. Stephanie is a master at juggling her favorite activities like snowboarding, surfing, and backcountry touring with a busy and a healthy career in law. If the most exercise you've had today is getting up from your desk at the library to grab a latte, that's okay. Stephanie is going to give us some practical tips on all the steps we can take to well-being, not just exercise. Stephanie, thanks so much for being here today with us. I'm exhausted after just reading your biography. Um, How do you find the time to train and to compete while maintaining a busy legal practice? And why is it so important to you? Um, So my life is really preoccupied with work and sport. Those are kind of like the two things that make me happy. So I put a lot of time and energy into them. Um, It's really important to me that I get the right amount of sport um, just to offset the amount of sitting that I do while I'm working. Okay. Uh, So I tend to spend a lot of my weekends and my free time getting some exercise uh, to free up uh, hip flexors and to offset some of like the muscle imbalances that happen when you're doing a lot of prolonged sitting. Wow. So obviously exercise is a huge aspect of your life, but you're also a really big proponent of rest and recovery. What does that look like for you and how do you integrate that into your overall wellness routine? So this is definitely something that I'm learning. It is really, I would argue it's, like, it's kind of new to me. Um, so I usually have been of the, the consistency where I just work so hard that I break myself and I crash and I crash hard. Yikes. And then I just kind of laze about around the house or in bed for a couple of days and then I get up firing again. Uh, that doesn't, that's not really conducive for like a sustainable <laughs> living. Um, so I've kind I've tried to incorporate a little bit more like active recovery and active rest into like my daily work regimes. And so that's, I think just being a little bit more gentle with myself allowing myself to stop, rest, recover when I feel um, like I need it or even before I feel like I need it, just when I want to be on my A game performing at my maximum best, I know that to do that, I needed an adequate amount of rest and recovery. So that could even mean with regards to work, if I've had a pretty intense work day, 
I know at some point that if I want to have a, a good productive day the next day, I'm going to have to stop and get some rest in order to have that. Otherwise, if I push too hard and push too long, my next day I know is going to be shot. So it's just a matter of, it's just self-awareness. And you know what your limits are and when you're going to reach them. And then to not let yourself go beyond that limit um, for a temporary short-term goal. So it's having a little bit more of a long-term perspective. I think that's a really good lesson that can translate to law students too, that idea of <clears throat> studying so hard and then not being able to study that hard the next day for that exam mm-hmm. and actually knowing your limits and when you should leave the library and maybe go for a jog instead of study those extra two to three hours. Yeah, exactly. And and if you're pushing yourself past that breaking point, like what the what is the quality of that work and is it really worth that effort? The extra effort, I know this is something I see with like sport as well. It's like um, on the Iditarod Trail, you would get to a point where you've been on your bike for 10, 12 hours. And all of a sudden, the miles that you're pedaling become really, really, really slow. Whereas if you just stop, take a bit of rest, grab some food, when you get back on your bike, those miles are a lot faster and it's more productive. So I've taken like some of my physical training regimes and experience with endurance sports and that translates really well into work. And what does rest and recovery in the workplace look like for you? So you mentioned leaving at an appropriate time. Um, not always, I imagine, but when, whenever possible. What else? Um, taking little breaks throughout the day. So like grabbing a coffee with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, it could mean like building a little bit of like not just rest, but play into the workday. It doesn't have to be so serious and hard all of the time. And I think that brings a lot of like fresh energy when you get back to work, if you've had a little bit of, of fun and also um, just makes the day a little bit more enjoyable. Um, taking a little bit of time for self-care. So checking in with your body, checking with your posture, having little exercises that you do to um, tweak uh, your body, your posture, um, just to move around and just be in your body for a second can refresh your mind. I think one of my favorite things uh, to do for a break is sometimes I'll go and hold plank for 30 to 60 seconds. I'm sure you can hold it a lot longer, but <laughs> that's one of the things I like if I've been sitting hunched up at my computer for for hours is to actually, you know, go to the floor and do that. And it, it's amazing what a rush you can feel. After yeah, that. that- that's a great one. And there's some good yoga poses to do or just simply like just doing some neck exercises, like mm. tilting your head side to side, like bringing your, your shoulder, your right shoulder, and then to your left, looking up, down, right, left. Just anything there you can get your body moving a little bit. It's going to relieve a lot of tension and also help to reset your posture, which is going to have a big impact on um, breathing. So when we're stressed, sitting at our desk for prolonged periods of time, we tend to be in like a hunched forward position, like pinched. Okay. When you're pinched, you have really shallow breaths. When you're breathing really shallowly, that shallowly, that is going to trigger your parasympathetic nervous system and your stress response. So you're actually your body is producing the stress hormone like cortisol when you're in that pinched forward position. Whereas when you allow yourself to do some floor exercises like planks or things that are going to like bring your shoulders back and open yourself up, mm-hmm. um, it's going to reset your your breathing, your breaths bring down your cortisol levels, and bring up your happy hormones. That's a great tip. Will you help me right now? I notoriously have terrible posture. So let's take our listeners through what it takes to have good posture. Maybe everyone can do this right now. So the first thing sounds kind of funny, but what I'm going to have you do is, okay, we're seated in our chair. We're going to make sure that our 
ankles are stacked under our knees. Oh, they weren't. Mine were crossed. Now what you're going to do is you're going to squeeze your butt muscles. Oh. So by squeezing and engaging your glutes, what you're going to do is reset your pelvis. So if it's tilted forward or back, that's going to bring it into a neutral position. With your glutes engaged, Mm -hmm. now what we're going to do is we're going to pull our stomach away from our, like, if you imagine, like, the waistline of your pants. Yes. So you're just going to tuck your stomach in, pull it away from the waist of your pants. And while we're doing that, we're stacking our ribs on top of our hips. The next step is we're moving up the chain to the shoulders, and we're mm-hmm. going to stack our shoulders just by turning our palms up towards the ceiling. That's going to rotate our shoulder blades. Oh, wow. I do feel that rotate back. And now we're going to stack our ears, make sure they're aligned with our shoulders, and just soft gaze forward. So that's neutral posture. And I know that sometimes that can be really difficult to hold for prolonged periods of time. Mm-hmm. And it's not the goal to hold this position all day long. It's just to check in with your body every like 20, 30 minutes okay. and reset your posture. So coming back to this neutral pose reduces stress levels and brings up your happy hormones just by holding this for a couple of minutes. Oh, I love this tip. Thank you. It feels really good, too. You can feel um, it just it feels nice to sit straight. Let's talk a bit about mental health uh, now that we have lovely posture. I remember personally when I was a law student going through a lot of anxiety, particularly surrounding exam times. Mm -hmm. And that's probably an understatement. There's one vivid memory I have where I'm throwing up in the bathroom outside of our constitutional law exam. Yeah, I was so nervous (laughs) for it. What are some things that law students can do to ward off anxiety or at least help them deal with it? I think most people have like a passion that they use to escape stress from. So for me, it's exercise. Um, It doesn't have to be exercise for everybody. It could be music or art or or whatever that happens to be. It's just a little bit of an escape from that stress. So indulging in that, being gentle with yourself, allowing yourself to indulge. Um, The one thing, though, that I've gotten through endurance sports that's really helped with my stress management is because I'm actively playing with fear quite a bit. Um, and like stress is really just the uh, the overachiever's word for fear. <laughs> so playing with fear a little bit, getting comfortable with it, sitting with it. Um, I, I kind of like to think of it at like fear or stress as a dog sitting beside me. And I just kind of like pat it on its head. It's like, here you, oh, you're here. Hey, what's up? Pat, pat, pat. And you just kind of acknowledge, play with it have it in the room with you and then you can walk away from it you don't have to hang out with it all day long and just be in that moment but just by acknowledging that feeling you grow your tolerance for um, your ability to cope under high stress situations so by allowing yourself to sit in it longer a little bit longer a little bit longer it's a little bit like playing with elasticity of that fear of stress response and it builds and reserve you build up a reserve over time by just sitting with it that's a really interesting visual of having the dog and acknowledging it. And then... It's kind of silly. No, I like it. <laughs> but I think it lightens things up a little bit. Yeah. I think stress for me would be a cat. I think I'd want to hang out with a dog, <laughs> but the cat I could walk away from for a bit. So. Perfect. Something fuzzy. Yes. So you told us in your webinar not to reach for the caffeinated beverages. And I have to admit, it was kind of hard for me to hear that. Um, might be hard for some law students, too. What are we replacing them with? Well, I'm sitting here with a coffee. <laughs> I wasn't like, sure if that was coffee or tea. Oh, it's or... definitely okay. coffee. I love caffeine. Okay. I love coffee. Um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily like you have to eliminate from your diet. Um 
it's just to be mindful that if you're having problems sleeping, like what are the causes of that sleep loss? And one of those things could be overconsumption of stimulants such as caffeine, or maybe just the time of day that you're consuming it. So if you can cut back on the amount or reduce it to like AM times, that might have an impact on your quality of sleep. Um, some people aren't as strongly affected by caffeine. And so, you know, can have a cup of coffee and easily fall asleep. So obviously this doesn't really like apply to that. So it, it's just a little bit of like mindfulness about how your body's doing, how you're coping with stress. And in order, order in, in like in, in times of high stress, um, there could be things that you're doing that are really easy to eliminate or um, to modify that are going to have a big impact on your stress levels, but not really affect your quality of life. And caffeine consumption can be one of those things. Do you have any other health or nutrition tips and hacks that will keep us feeling energized and good throughout the workday? I think like having a good clean diet, like you are what you put in your body. So if you put it your body, if you fuel your body with crappy fuel, you're not going to feel so great. Whereas if you're putting in high quality nutrient dense fuels, you're going to feel healthier. There's also something of like like a placebo effect. Uh, when you're fueling yourself with good fuel, you're going to feel good because you're doing something good for yourself and you're taking care of yourself and that's going to lead to other healthy decisions and a healthy mindset. So it's not only going to make your body feel good, but your mind's going to feel good as well. What's your favorite workplace snack? My go-to thing at the moment, and it kind of like irks me to say it because it produces a lot of garbage, is the <laughs> Starbucks. There's a snack box that has like hard-boiled eggs. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a piece of like uh, grainy bread and some peanut butter, a bit of cheese. There's some grapes. Okay, so some fruit, uh, complex carbs. Yeah, protein. like simple carbs too, especially mm -hmm. um, because I'm doing a lot of exercise. I found like I've experimented with some diets that reduce carbs. And I found that my brain activity was kind of funny. Oh, wow. um, and also when I was doing exercise, my glycogen stores were really low. And so I was hitting the wall really fast. So for me, I need a lot of simple refined carbs. That probably doesn't translate for most people that aren't as active as I am. So doing something that's more on the like the high fat, high protein side um, is probably going to be a healthier and more satiating diet. So we talked a bit about sleep and caffeine. I've been reading about sleep being the new status symbol. And there are apps that whisper stories to us. And there are essential oils that we can diffuse in the air to induce sleep. And there are wearables that measure the amount of sleep we're getting. Do you see the legal profession catching on at all to this idea that sleep is a status and the big business behind sleep? It might take the profession a little while to catch up to that. I think like lawyers take pride in being busy, um, more so than maybe some other professions. And getting lots of sleep is uh, <laughs> goes against the grain of being really, really hyper busy. Um, so I think there's almost like there's pride and status in how hard and how much you're working. So sleep could be seen as being lazy. Um, I'm a big proponent of sleep. I love my sleep. So if I'm in bed in like the double digits PM, that's too late. Um, but I'm up early. So um, I zealously protect my sleep. Um, 
I think for different people, the amount of sleep that they get, uh, it varies as well. And so for me, I know I need seven or eight hours. Some people can get by on less than that. So it's a matter of like knowing your body and what you need and getting that like that right amount of sleep in order to be at your maximal mental output. I definitely need seven to eight hours too. Absolutely. I, I think too, it's funny, like people always have this kind of like pipe dream of they're going to catch up on sleep on the weekend. With sleep debt theory? Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't actually think that there's like a debt you can recover for sleep loss. So if you're not constantly on top of it, if you have, if you're, for example, like if you're a good quality sleeper and you have a few nights that you get less sleep, you're going to feel just as junky as if you had less sleep all the time. Um, so I think that there, there's there's no way of like storing up extra sleep time or having a debt to yeah. it either. On the note of the legal profession, not quite catching up um, to this idea that sleep is important. You talked in your webinar, and I thought it was really interesting about how the legal profession also glorifies stress. What do you think law students can do to work to change this where they are right now? I think coming into your legal career with some fresh eyes and realizing that from the outset, like you get to pick your career, what you do with your law degree, how you're going to work. If you're the type of person that wants to live, you know, an intense, stress-filled life, go nuts. That's for you. Um, but at I think it's just being really mindful and deliberate at the outset with your choices. So picking the right firm culture um, and picking the right mentors, surrounding yourselves with the right people that um, you aren't just advocating this busy, 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 high stress, low sleep lifestyle, but you're surrounding yourself with people that um, are mindful and have wellness at a center of their practice uh, is really going to make a big difference in terms of like as you're building and establishing your own career. That's a good tip. So just being really aware going into the legal profession, maybe even visualizing or thinking about what that's going to look like for you. Mm -hmm. Like where do you want that career to take you? So if you think five years from now, where do I want to be? And what can I set in place right now in order to get there? And so if you don't, if wellness and health are important to you, if you come in and you sacrifice those things, it's going to be hard to reclaim them later because there's going to be an expectation that those things aren't so important to you and so you can do without them. Um, but if you come in and you establish that they are important, people generally, I think in my experience anyways, have respected um, me and the things that are important to me, especially at my firm, um, and so it's made it really, really easy for me to incorporate exercise and wellness into my daily practice because people recognize it as part of like my identity. And taking a month off to go to Alaska. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> what did your own personal health and wellness look like in law school? Was it the same as today or was it different at all? Um, I've always been quite active. I think in the last couple of years, though, it's kind of taken to really heightened level with endurance sport competing. Um, I didn't start competing until about 2016 was my first race. So it hasn't been at the level that it's at for very long. Um, while I was in law school, though, I was probably getting activity daily, like I would cycle into school um, and do some kickboxing and gym workouts, go for runs, snowboarding. Like we used to have that cheap student pass for Whistler Blackcomb, which was amazing. That, that was, was the best. The best part of law school. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, so you are an Iron Man triathlete, or I, perhaps it's more accurate to say Iron Woman. I'm a trademark lawyer, so Iron Man is fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> Noted. Um, how does this translate training for this into the practice of law? Um, the one thing that like I've really taken out of my Iron Man experience into the legal profession is um, when things are really hard and you're really suffering either with stress or just like physical exertion, exhaustion, um, you get to choose what you do with that stress. So you can decide that that's negative stress or you can decide that that's positive stress. And so you can grunt and bear it with a smile on your face or you can suffer through it and just be in the pain cave and be miserable. In either instance, you probably are going to get to the end. But if you're able to put a smile on your face and treat stress as positive stress, that end is going to be much more rewarding and your recovery time is going to be much less and your resilience is going to be higher than if you've been suffering the whole time. So does that look like when you're in the middle of a crazy week at work, acknowledging that, but feeling lucky too that you have this job and this career? Or what does that look like personally for you? Yeah, it could be gratitude. Um, the other thing is like just acknowledging the stress again, okay. patting the dog on the head. Yeah. Um, and part of like the acknowledgement is like, hey, I'm in this stressful period. It's not gonna last forever. And so like, what can I do to turn this stress into something that's more enjoyable. So what fun can I build in to offset some of this high intensity? Um, so for example, I know like next month, I'm gonna be teaching uh, the trademark section at UBC for the IP course. And on top of like my, my practice and travel for conferences and Ironman training and whatever else. Um, so, what can I do to make that period more fun? It's like, well, you know, I have friends and family that are going to be at UBC on campus that I don't get to see very often. So I can go have a cup of coffee after class with them, and that's pretty neat. Um, and it's something that I wouldn't get to do ordinarily. So that's going to take a little bit of stress off of that um, that experience. I like that. So incorporating the social into... Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's social. It may not be social mm-hmm. for everyone. Right. But yeah, it's definitely something for me, like having a lot of community around is something that makes me feel happy and offsets a lot of that stress. I feel similarly. For me, it's the social too. So you've given us some excellent tips here today and as well on your CBA webinar. You said, though, it's really hard to do a full 180 and start all of uh, these different aspects of wellness and health immediately. Where do you think is the best place for a law student to start? I always think it's sleep. If you're at a a sleep deficit, you're going to be making really poor decisions um, because you're just too tired to make good, clear, rational choices. Um, And it's really easy to cheat on exercise or not have the willpower for exercise cheat on diet, not have the willpower for diet if you're really, really tired. So the best thing that you can do is um, spend a couple of days getting some good quality sleep. And once you've got those sleep reserves built up, then you can start looking at layering different aspects of exercise and nutrition on top of that. So we start at sleep. Yeah. Just like when we're babies. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time here today. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. I can't wait to start working on my sleep. And I'd love to hear where all of you are going to start. 
tweet to us at CBA underscore news, or you can reach me at my handle at SS. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, and Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to receive notifications for new episodes. We also have a podcast in French called Juriste Planché. Stephanie's entire Solution Series for Law Students webinar on physical and mental health tips for deskbound students can be found on cba.org, and it includes a lot of excellent tips we weren't able to discuss today, so check it out. I hope you can all hear how straight my posture is right now. I'm ready for that Iron Man too. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for listening.